We the ones they talking about. Broadway Sports Media. Choose your fighter. Justin and Justin Titans podcast show. I'm not a cocky person. I'm just passionate. Final round. Uh, yeah, I'm looking for a new podcast partner immediately. Quarantine and chill. We all we got. Hey, Titans on three. One, two, three. Welcome in, everyone, to the Music City Audible Week 7 Preview Titans-Steelers game. We're going to be talking about it today. We are, of course, presented by Broadway Sports Media, partnered with 440 Sports, our podcasting partner. Go check out www.broadwaysportsmedia.com. we got tons of game previews and breakdowns from last week up there for you to check out right now. But we are going to get into the Pittsburgh Steelers preview with our special guest today, Alex Kazora of Steelers Depot. He'll be joining us in a bit. First, we're going to talk through some news and notes. I am, of course, your host, Justin Graver, and with me, as always, is Justin Mello. How are you doing on Thursday evening as we watch the Giants punted away to the Eagles here tonight? How are you doing? The Giants punted? That's shocking. I, I don't think I've ever seen the Giants punt, but... I thought their uh, offense was, like, scoring up and down the field every time they touched the ball. You, you, you could mistake... Uh, you, <laughs> I'm not even going to get it. <laughs> Uh, I'm doing well. I'm doing better than the Giants' offenses. Let's put it that way. Yeah, no kidding. So uh, we're obviously still in the first quarter. Who knows what's going to happen in this game, but um, we may sound stupid tomorrow. Anyway, let's get into this week. Let's talk about what the Titans have done before we start talking about the Steelers and bring Alex on. We're going to run through some updates quickly. Number one thing of note is Adoree Jackson designated to return from injured reserve. He hasn't played yet this season. Let's talk a little bit about what this means designated to return that means he can come back and practice with the team no longer restricted to side field work or anything like that he is fully practicing with the team however he's not a member of the active roster until they activate him so it's unclear whether or not adori will be back for sunday's game against pittsburgh obviously he would be huge pittsburgh has a very talented wide receiver core and just a good offense in general would be nice to get Adoree Jackson back to help cover Juju Smith-Schuster, Deontay Johnson, who practiced fully on Thursday and will likely practice fully again on Friday. Chase Claypool has been a sensation as a rookie. Eric Ebron may have some chances to play. I, I would expect to see Kevin Byard on Eric Ebron for the most part. They have a little bit of a personal history dating back to when Ebron was on the Colts. But the good news is Adoree Jackson is at least working his way back. We'll see if he's available on Sunday. Do you think he plays? I'm, that's tough. I'm leaning no, to be honest with you. I, I think it's going to be cutting it a little too close. I'm sure they would love to have him back in this game, uh, but but I'm leaning no as of now. I would probably have to agree with you, but crossing my fingers for a surprise. Saturday activation from IR. We'll see. Friday afternoon. Stay tuned. We'll see what happens um, if he may or may not be activated. So obviously this comes out Friday morning. Moving on to a next bit of news. Corey Davis, Michael Pruitt activated off of the COVID reserve list. They are full. They've been full participants in practice this week. Well, Michael Pruitt actually missed Wednesday, but returned in a full capacity on Thursday. So I think we can safely assume the Titans are completely over their COVID situation, which is great news for everyone involved. The only player on the injury report Thursday, who didn't practice, and we'll see what happens on Friday, besides A.J. Brown, who we'll talk about in just a second, is Isaiah Wilson. Isaiah Wilson, to my knowledge, has not put in an official practice with the team yet, and that is concerning of note this week because, sadly, 
Titans Pro Bowl stud left tackle Taylor Lewan, who was having a fantastic season again this year, tore his ACL. I know people have been like kind of frustrated with Lewan because he missed a few plays here and there, like I think maybe in every game this season. But the fact is he's a stud. He's been playing very well on the left side of the line, and the Titans will have to move forward for the rest of the season without this key piece. He and Roger Saffold run left. It was a It was a big thing, and now he's done for the year. Do you think Ty Sambrello, let's see, it's they've played five games. they got 11 more games. How many of those 11 games does Ty Sambrello start at left tackle? Go. Jeez, oh, uh, thanks for prepping me for this one. Uh, I say uh, 11, dude. I really think it's 11. It wouldn't surprise me if he played all 11. You know what I mean? I mean, we'll, like, let's be honest, right? Wilson is nowhere near ready. Right? So, I mean, he hasn't, like, he hasn't had an official practice. Right? I mean, to my knowledge. <laughs> yeah, like he's he, he's not anywhere close to taking over this job right now. I mean, of course, I get it. People are frustrated. Ideally, he'd be the one to step in. Yes, obviously, that would be ideal. But that's not the situation that he's in. That's not the situation the team is in. So there's no point in dwelling on it. We have to be honest and accept it. Do your best to to get him not just ready to step into that position. Just get him ready to play in the NFL, period. Right? Yeah, exactly. Like get, Right. Get it's him ready about, to be a backup if Dennis yes. Kelly gets hurt it's, because it's that's not, yes. It, yeah. <laughs> and that's even more concerning, right? Truthfully. Honestly, right? who's if the swing tackle goes, on Sunday? Yeah, I mean, I don't even there I, is I don't one. think they have another tackle. David Quisenberry, I mean, plays guard yeah, and probably. Roger Saffold plays tackle. It would be a, ult, a unmitigated disaster if a tackle gets hurt during the game on Sunday. That's true, right? Because I mean, you have to figure it's going to be Q is going to be active, like you said. Maybe Aaron Brewer is active, or Daniel Munyer is active, but all those guys are interior guys, right? So that definitely concern. Right? They got a couple. You know what? I mean, they got a couple. I don't think they they already called up the guys from the practice squad for this week. They announced the protected guys, but I don't think they've called them up. I think that's Saturday, yeah. I think you're so. right. So I mean, don't be surprised if they got a couple of tackles on the practice squad. Don't be surprised if they got to bring one of those guys up. I know they got an undrafted free agent out of. Um, I think it's Valdosta State. That's is it Valdosta State that's on there? That sounds right. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's Valdosta State. I, I know they had two tackle undrafted for age. One opted out during the whole oh, COVID yeah. thing. But I think the Valdosta State kid is the one that's still on that list. And I and his name is on the tip of my tongue. If you give me a second, uh I can tell you in one second because I got it. I can give you a lot of Brandon seconds. Kemp. I'll fill it up. That's what I'm looking for. Brandon Ooh, what's Kemp. His name? Brandon Kemp. Brandon Kemp. I, I interviewed him after the draft. Um, and published a story with him. Really good kid. Really good guy. So that so that's what I was prediction. thinking. Brandon Kemp is active on on Sunday. He he might be to be right. I mean seriously, all kidding aside, he might yeah. be. You know, depending on how ready they feel he is. But he's been on. You know, he made the team right after the draft. Right. I mean, they signed him as an undrafted free agent. He's been with them for. A, you know, he's been with them much longer than Isaiah Wilson has been. He's had a lot more practice Practicing time than Isaiah it, Wilson yeah. has had. Right. That's yeah. just the facts of the situation, unfortunately. So don't be surprised if, if, if he's active. Let's this talk week. about the uh, the uh, the reality. And the guys on F-Words podcast touched on this earlier in the week, if you want to go back and listen to that. But the reality of flipping from left tackle to right tackle and back and forth and is just not really it's something you can do in Madden. You can put Dennis Kelly at left tackle and he plays just as well as if you put him at right no, tackle. Yeah, but, I, and I agree. No, you got to keep Kelly at right tackle. There, There is no scenario to me whatsoever where you move Kelly over to left tackle. And on that note, Isaiah Wilson, right. Isaiah Wilson is also a right tackle. So you're not going to put Isaiah Wilson, you're not going to ask a rookie to play a position that he's not even used to, the side of the field he's not even used to playing to come in and replace Tyson. You well, just got to yeah. hope that Tyson Brelo 
is not a disaster, which he hasn't been a disaster outside I, of really that yeah, one play. I, I, I don't think he will be. I don't think he will be a disaster. I, I really don't. He's been in this league for a while now. He's used to this role. He's used to this position. He's been a, a, a you know swing backup for a while now. He's also got quite a bit of starting experience in the NFL. I, I don't think he's going to be a disaster. I, I really don't. And you may think I'm biased for saying that, but look, the way I'm looking at this, there was a great episode of Bussin' with the Boys. I think it was last season. When, when Taylor Lewan came on and said, look, you remember how bad the Titans offense started last year. And this came straight from Lewan's mouth where everyone expected him to come back and single-handedly fix the offense. And that was a little naive of us because he came back at the, you know, at the time. Yeah, the offense got fixed eventually, but Taylor Lewan did not single-handedly fix this offense last year. And, and no. he said that. He said he was sitting on his couch watching how bad the offense was. And he said it himself, right? And everyone was like, oh, man. And he saw all the fans. Oh, when Taylor Lewan comes back, this offense is going to be fixed. And he said he looked, you know, he looked at his wife. He told his friends, I, there's no way that I'm coming back and fixing this offense. So on the flip side, now let's hope that Taylor Lewan's absence, sorry, Taylor Lewan's absence doesn't break this offense. Right. Right? Let's talk about ways that they can mitigate the loss. So number one, I think what Taylor meant last year was Ryan Tannehill will fix the offense. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But what Taylor meant was this offense ain't going to be fixed as long as Mariota's under center. Okay, I'm kidding. Calm down. <laughs> no, but the way that you can mitigate this is getting the ball out quickly. So we may not see as many of those long-developing Yankee two-man... Well, we might see two-man concepts because you're going to need a lot of extra protection for these tackles. You're going to ask Dennis Kelly to handle a little bit more one-on-one -on -one situations than you have been and slide your running backs, your tight end chips, and the guys coming off the line of scrimmage over to the left side to help Tyson Brelo. You're going to line up tight ends on that side of the field often in this game because T.J. Watt and Bud Dupree, and not just those guys, Cameron Hayward and Stephon Tuitt, this entire Steelers front is the best in the NFL. They lead the NFL in sacks. They've only played five games. Every other team, well, not every other team, most of the teams have played six games. The Steelers lead the NFL in sacks in five games. The Titans have done a great job this year of not giving up sacks, but this is not the matchup that you would have picked on the schedule to be your first game without Taylor Lewan as you try to like figure out how you're going to mitigate his loss using quick passes, chip blocks, things like that, and screens. You take advantage of the aggressive nature of TJ Watt and Bud Dupree want to rush up the field as soon as they can by getting your uh, line linemen to feign like they were beat by those pass rushers, get out in space and throw some blocks, let the defense run themselves upfield out of the play. So I expect to see a lot of quick passes, a lot of screens, and a lot of run plays right at those edge rushers, again, to try to take advantage of them being over-aggressive on that side of the ball. So I'm not sure what else they can try to do to mitigate the loss of Lawan, but I definitely think we're going to see the offense be okay because Art Smith knows he doesn't have Tyson Braylon. knows he doesn't have Lawan. He's not going to put Tyson Braylon on an island against JJ Watt, even though that definitely happened last week. I think uh, going against JJ's little brother TJ, things will be a little different. I trust Art Smith to be able to to do okay even without Lawan in this game. You know what? On the flip side, I agree with you. Obviously, you wouldn't. You know, if you had a chance to hand pick. You wouldn't pick this game, right, to be missing. I would pick this game as the 16th out of 16 options when it comes to the other team's pass rush. Absolutely. I fully agree with you. But at the same <laughs> time, I'm, I'm going to offer the other perspective. You know what? 
This is the situation they're in. They do not have Taylor Lewan, and they got to get used to it. Maybe it's a little bit of a baptism by fire, a trial by fire here, where I, I think one of the best things maybe for them is they're going to find out how bad this situation is. And they're going to find out right away. And they're going to have to understand how much help do they need to give him on that left side. I think the way, you know, Vrabel's a competitive guy and he's not going to shy away from the challenge. So I, I do think, again, I, I agree with you that this is the best pass rush they're going to see all year. Maybe it's a good thing that it's coming now. Let them find out what they have on that left side without Luan. All right. Now, yeah, maybe that is the silver lining here. Let's move on to our last bit of news before we bring on our guest, which is that A.J. Brown didn't practice on Thursday. Thoughts? Uh, yeah, I mean, we'll have to wait for Friday, and this episode will be out by then. But um, we, I, I'm assuming it's a maintenance day. That would be my, my guess. I, I don't think that he has you know, some sort of setback and he's going to miss this game. But the, the picture should get a lot more clear on, on Friday. With Friday's injury report. Totally agree on all points. So with that, we're very excited to get the inside scoop on the Pittsburgh Steelers from Alex Kazora. Covers them for Steelers Depot. Let's welcome him in now. Steelers expert, might I say. Thanks so much for being here tonight, Alex. How are you doing? I'm doing well, guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, we're looking forward to diving into this game and really getting the Pittsburgh-centric side from you. So to kick things off on that note, what would you say right now is the biggest storyline in Pittsburgh as we head into Week 7? Is it the undefeated team? Is there another aspect we don't know about? What do you think? Yeah, I think obviously this is only the second time in franchise history they've started 5-0. and The other time was in 78 when they won their third Super Bowl as part of that dynasty run. So there's that element of, of, of course, the 5-0 and versus 5-0 and Titans-Steelers, just overall big picture matchup. But specifically for Pittsburgh, I would say, you know, what is life going to be without Devin Bush, who tore his ACL, unfortunately, against the Browns? He was the, the defensive signal caller, the three-down linebacker, played literally every single snap this season. And trying to replace those snaps and that communication is probably going to have to be done by more than just one guy and it's hard to replace a 4-4 speed linebacker and you know how important that is in today's day and age of space and athletic tight ends and running backs and, and things like that so just the divisional labor and how well those players execute is probably the biggest unknown of this team right now yeah that that's makes why sense I love bringing guests on sorry that's why i love bringing guests on from the other team they tell us things that we we don't know i would not have guessed i have to admit that it's only the second time the Steelers have been 5-0. and I, That's def- something I did not know, and I really would not have guessed. Obviously, such a storied franchise. I, that's right. very interesting. Titans, uh, second time in franchise history, too, at least in the Titans era history. That I would have guessed, unfortunately, <laughs> to be honest. Right? It's the Pittsburgh thing. And I'm a Titan. I say that as a Titans fan. Everyone knows I'm a Titans fan. But um, that I would not have guessed. But the Pittsburgh, that, I mean, sorry, that I would have guessed with Tennessee. But with Pittsburgh, man, that, that's surprising to me. And speaking of that storied history, the Steel Curtain of Pittsburgh is what they're famously known for. And this year, I guess, is probably no different. The defense has been lights out, continuing their stellar play from last season. What can you tell us about why this defense is playing so well? And I guess if, it, if they can keep playing well without Devin Bush. Yeah, well, I mean, when you invest, invest, what is it, 10 or 11 first-round picks in your defense, like they better play well, otherwise something's gone terribly wrong. But it's finally kind of all come together um, where it's 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 an effort thing, it's a physicality thing, it's a mentality thing. Really, the overall philosophy of this defense is 
play simple and play fast. It's not super complex. I'm not going to run a ton of coverages and checks and audibles or crazy personnel packages. There's some of that, of course, but it's generally one of the more simple defenses to just allow guys to play fast and play to their athletic ability. And overall, um, team hustle, team effort, they run to the football, they're physical, they don't miss a lot of tackles, and they finally have some playmakers in the secondary. Minka Fitzpatrick, Joe Hayden, Stephen Nelson, guys like that. So that's always been the missing piece. They've always had good linebackers, good pass rush, they haven't had the great secondary and you're finally seeing that the last two years. And so it's all kind of finally coming together. Unfortunately, the Bush, in- Bush injury, we'll have to see how they uh, be able to recover and, and, and move on and, and, and substitute Devin Bush. But uh, other than that, this defense has been playing lights out. And, and you know what? It's, it's, I don't want to say that it's about time and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but Keith Butler, I, I don't think he was that popular there when he first got there, right? Those first mm-hmm. couple of years he was there. I don't think Pittsburgh fans liked him very much. And you talk about that secondary, what a difference. I mean, I still remember the days, uh, the days, not that they were that long ago, but when Pittsburgh fans, all I saw on my timeline from Pittsburgh fans was complaining about Artie Burns and complaining about Edmonds, who they used the first round pick on and, and all of that. So what a difference it's been. And, and it's really carried over, though, from last year, right? I mean, that offense obviously having lost Big Ben last year um, was so handicapped that defense really kept them in a lot of games and, and it's playing so strongly once again. Yeah, this is a continuation of last year. Last year's when you saw the defense really turn the corner, become an elite group, and you just didn't have the offense last year without Big Ben. So that, that Roethlisberger's back, and you have this defense still playing at a high level. You have both sides coming together. Yeah, I was as critical as anybody with Keith Butler. I called for him to be fired, I think, after the 2018 season. Like, it was really bad schematically, but they've solved some of their mismatch problems. They used to get killed by receivers in the slot, Keenan Allen on linebackers. They had T.J. Watt on Sammy Watkins on one play a couple of years ago, running down the, <laughs> down the field on a vertical uh, right on back-to-back play. So they've kind of been able to cover up and, and, and mask some of their issues, maybe uh, change things schematically a little bit, but just overall you have top tier talent and they just let those guys get after the quarterback or make plays and coverage. And it's not a real complex or complicated idea. It just lets your playmakers make big plays. And, and, and you touched a little on Devin Bush. I just want to ask one, one final question about that. Um, he's being replaced, and you can, again, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's Robert Spillane, to my understanding, who's replacing Devin Bush, who, A, by the way, uh, was a Tennessee Titan uh, in preseason a couple years ago, was a bit of a a preseason darling. Every team has one, and uh, Spillane was a preseason darling in Tennessee, and and a lot of people were gutted when he got cut. But this is a guy who who almost couldn't be more different than Devin Bush. (laughs) Right, whereas Devin Bush is, is in a, you know, obviously a very smart player, as you said, he calls the defense, but he's also an athletic freak, right? He runs that quick time that you said, and, and, and he's often the most athletic guy, you know, on the field, especially on the defensive side. Uh, Robert Spillane is not that guy, right? Robert <laughs> Spillane, to me, is more of a uh, two-down, try-hard kind of mm-hmm. linebacker, right? Reminds me of, uh, you know, Will Compton a little bit, who's okay. in Tennessee right now. Uh, doesn't, doesn't play much, but Will Compton, of course. Shout out to Will Compton and busting with the boys, but reminds me a little of Will Compton. And reminds me a little of Cale Garrett, who was a preseason darling this year with Tennessee, was an undrafted uh, free agent out of Missouri, I believe it was. But reminds me a little of that. So he's so different from Devin Bush, right? The you know the you know the the quote unquote unathletic white linebacker, right? <laughs> it's kind of what he he's been labeled as. So that, that's a really big difference for Pittsburgh to go from a Devin Bush to a Robert Spillane. Not only, of course, you know, and without no disrespect to Robert, but talent wise, mm-hmm. but also um, just a totally different profile of player. No, I think you said that well, Justin. I would say the only thing that Devin Bush and Robert Spillane have in common is they both went to schools in Michigan, and that's about yeah, it. They both they played football, right? Yeah, yeah, they both played football in Michigan. That's about it with those two guys. Yeah, it's a big difference. So I think Spillane 
is a functional enough athlete, but as terms of being your three down cover guy, all situations type, he's probably not that guy. So you're right. He is going to be the next man up. He should play the majority of snaps to, to, to replace Devin Bush, but will he play all the snaps? Mike Tomlin said he probably will not play every single snap. So could we see a guy like UG three, a linebacker, second year kid from Akron, who's a more athletic type ran in the four fives at his pro day. That's possible. They have Marcus Allen, who was a strong safety at Penn state began his Steelers career as a strong safety. He's now basically converted to linebacker could we see some of that could we see some quarters packages with seven defensive backs on the field i think that's possible and some third down some obvious pass situations so yeah it is a big difference to go from from bush to spillane and and i think spillane for me for sealer fans reminds me of the guy he's lining up next to vince williams a very downhill physical plays the run really well reliable tackler good special team type players and, and there's value in that, absolutely, especially against Tennessee and Derrick Henry. But in terms of just playing in space and playing in coverage, there are going to be question marks. There are legitimate concerns there. And I can promise you the Titans realize that and are going to test those guys early and often with John New Smith if he plays or Ferkser had a big 100-yard game last week and maybe a Darrington Evans at App State who ran a 4-4-1, a really good perimeter space kind of guy. So um, they're going to be tested, and, and we're not quite sure how this is going to go, but it's going to be a downgrade from Devin Bush. Fun fact about Spillane, he actually played in the Steelers-Titans preseason game last year when they played against each other for the Steelers, five tackles and a sack. So no stranger to, he actually led the Steelers in tackles that day, obviously. Lots of backups getting a lot of run in the preseason, but... Would you, you know, sack Luke Falk? <laughs> I, <laughs> that's a good guess. I have no actual idea, but talk a lot about how good the Steelers defense is. I think that this is probably their biggest test um, in terms of explosiveness on offense. The Browns have a pretty productive offense as well, obviously still, still leading the league in rushing yards per game, even after Pittsburgh held them to just 75 yards on the ground last week. What do you make of both of these teams? What do we? I, I just feel like we're going to learn so much about how legitimate the Steelers are, how legit the Titans are. I think right now they're both legit contenders for sure. But if one team comes out here and, you know, the, the, the only real competition either side has played is the Titans beat the Bills and they dominated them. And the Steelers beat the Browns and they dominated them. The other teams that these two teams have played have, each team has played nine total wins from their opponents. So nine and 20 for the Titans opponents, nine, 19 and one for the Steelers opponents with the Eagles tying the Bengals. What do you think the biggest test is for these teams? Is it just playing against each other? Is it proving that they are legitimate contenders? How do you see this game in terms of like a measuring stick for both sides? Well, I think both are legitimate contenders regardless of the outcome of this game, unless somebody gets absolutely blown out. But if it's a close game, like I imagine it will, I think both teams are still obviously going to be in good position. But it, it's it's best on best. It's it's a really strong rushing attack for the Titans with Derrick Henry and company versus, I would, to my estimate, I think statistically they're second place, but to me the best run defense in football in the way they handled the Cleveland Browns. So it's more of the same script from last week. And I think whoever wins in the trenches, um, how the Titans cope with the loss of Taylor Lewan and how the Steelers cope with the loss of Devin Bush, both the 20 ACLs, whoever deals with their prime, you know, big time injury better probably is going to win this game. So that's kind of the overall matchup I'm watching. Makes sense. And, and I want I want to talk a little about the wide receiver group on Pittsburgh, because mm -hmm. on paper, it's a group that excites me. Uh, you know, obviously, I think Juju Smith-Schuster is a terrific player. Uh, a lot of excitement for uh, Deontay Johnson heading into the season. I know he's been banged up a lot. Uh, has left quite a, a couple of games and, and has been unable to return in a few others. So, uh, And James Washington, on paper, to me, is, is a field stretcher or should be utilized as a field stretcher and, and has been, I think, at times there. So tell us a little about this receiver group and what you've seen. 
Yeah, it's a lot of depth, and it's not a stretch to say the Pittsburgh Steelers draft receivers better than any other team in football, and it helps that Mike Tomlin was a former receiver. It helps when a Hall of Fame quarterback is storing to your receivers, but just overall, they know how to find these guys, and Chase Claypool's one name in a long list of, of those kind of guys. They're not top 10 picks either. They're mostly second or third round picks. Um, so overall, you just had a lot of weapons, a lot of talent to spread the love to, and it's kind of been just a popcorn thing where in week one, Juju catches two touchdowns to meet the Giants. You know, In week three, it was tight end Eric Ebron with a big game to beat. I think it was Houston back then. Uh, in week four, it was Chase Claypool with four touchdowns against the Eagles. Last week, James Washington goes off for, I think, four catches, 68 yards, and a wide-open 28-yard touchdown. So there's a lot of weapons. It's not one singular guy. It's not the old A-B days of, okay, he's the number one guy. He's going to get 15 targets a game, and you know you're going to have to try to deal with that. It is anyone, any one of these guys could pop up and have a big game or have a quiet game too if someone else is making all the plays. So it's a really well-rounded group. Ben's getting the ball out of his hand really quickly. I think he's second or third in terms of, um, you know, throw to snap to pass. I think it's two and a half seconds. Um, so I, I think that just overall weaponry and talent of this team is, is pretty impressive. Yeah, and I will say about the Steelers drafting receivers, when they drafted Deontay Johnson, and I'm almost embarrassed to admit this, but I take my losses when I, as I take my wins. Um, he was the first player in that draft that I, I don't even think I had scouted, right? Like he was, he was pretty unknown. At least I thought he was a little bit in the draft community. When he, at Toledo, right? Yeah, Toledo. I, I remember when they called his name, I was like... I thought it was I a reach. Thought, I didn't think it was going to go that high. Yeah, I mean, I, I had watched tape on at least 200 players as I do every single year. And he was not one of them. And I was like, damn, like I, I must. And when Pittsburgh drafted him, I was like, yeah, I knew I missed. I, I knew I missed. All this <laughs> That's how I felt when they drafted Claypool. I was like, oh, okay, I need to redo my Claypool evaluation. Well, you know, what's I funny is like, obviously I, I had scouted Claypool, but I didn't absolutely love him. But it was the same thing right. when Pittsburgh drafted him. I'm like, ooh, what, what did I miss? <laughs> you know, I got to go back and watch the Claypool tape because and he's Canadian and I still didn't love him at, at the time. <laughs> so, you know, I really didn't didn't love the tape. But yeah, two two guys I definitely missed on. But uh, stay, staying with the offense, Alex, I'll be, I, I want to touch on Big Ben. Of course, you know, he coming back, you know, from from the injury that he came back from uh, at his age too. Uh, tell us a little about how you, you evaluated how he's played this year. He's played really well, and I think just overall the biggest component for this offense as a whole, but of course it starts with Ben, is efficiency. They've turned the ball over one time the last three games, and it's hard to lose a lot of games when your defense gets the takeaways that it does. I think they are second in the NFL in turnover differential. You guys are, I think, tied for first place. So again, those are kind of the overall common themes of best on best, who's going to take care of the football better. But I mean, if you didn't know he was coming off the injury, you wouldn't think, uh, have a second thought about it. The arm strength looks good. The deep ball hadn't been great to begin the year. There was, you know, some, some lack of connection, but I think that's just more about the youth of these guys, not getting a preseason, not getting spring work to work with a Chase Claypool or a Deontay Johnson, a second year kid or a James Washington, a pretty young guy overall going into his third season. So that was better against the Browns where Ben was three for three on, on passes, 20 plus yards down the field, including completions to chase Claypool and two of them to James Washington. So other than that minor point, that's getting better. And I think we'll continue to improve. Uh, Ben's look great. He's managing the game better. And I think honestly, as terrible as last year was for, for the offense, for the team, for Ben himself to be on the sidelines, I think getting to be on the sidelines and watch the game from that perspective for really the first time in his career, even as a rookie, he was supposed to be on the bench, but then 
Tommy Maddox got hurt early in the season and Ben had to come in the rest of the way. So this is the first time in his career he's ever really been on the sideline watching the game from that perspective. And I think he's able to take that perspective of the game and apply that to now. I know he's 38 or a veteran quarterback, but I think honestly he's even better mentally and sharper mentally this year than he was two years ago because of that perspective in 2019. So he's been excellent for the Steelers. And you see it in his time to throw stat leading the NFL, 2.36 seconds on average between snap and his throw. That is extremely quick and negates the pass rush. And it shows that he's really seeing things and making quick decisions and really understanding what, where he wants to go with the ball quickly, which is so hard to defend a quarterback who gets the ball out that quick. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, some of that is RPO and quick game stuff where that's just naturally going to come out pretty quick. But overall, I mean, receivers have gotten open when you've had the weapons that, that Ben has had. It helps when these guys are getting open, uh, helps when you have a better run game. But but that's been a big thing. And that was one of the, you know, people still think of Ben a little bit this way, but much less so. He, you know, he had this 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 uh, stereotype and it was accurate of backyard Ben when he first came uh, out of, uh, out of college in his early years in Pittsburgh running around. We'll make it up as we go along, but um, in his later years to basically keep his career alive, because this guy got sacked a ton early in his career, he was getting sacked 40, 50 times a season. There's no way you could survive that unless you change your game. So he's become a really better and more efficient pocket passer the last five to seven years. It started with Todd Haley, the old offensive coordinator, and has grown over time as he's lost some of that mobility. And so that's been the key to his longevity was he had to make plays from within the pocket. He couldn't just throw Terrell Suggs off every single time anymore like, like he used to be able to do. So um, that's been the key. And, and yeah, it's hard to sack a guy that gets the ball out 2.3 seconds. And it keeps him on the field uh, healthy, which he had a little bit of trouble with early in his career, too, staying healthy. Yep. So, well, that is going to pretty much wrap it up. We kind of want to finish things out here by getting your thoughts. We don't really like doing score predictions because, you know, it's so fluky, anything can happen. But mm -hmm. how do you see this game unfolding? What do you think the script will look like on Sunday? Well, I'm going to sound like a Steelers homer here with my black and gold glasses, but I do think Pittsburgh's going to win this one just because that run defense has been so good. And I, I know Derrick Henry's a beast. I know that offensive line is pretty good, but until someone can show me that they can become a balanced team against the Steelers uh, defense, I just can't pick against the Steelers right now. I think that run defense is going to win out even without Devin Bush. And so I think it'll be a close game. I think it'll be a good game overall, but uh, I am leaning Pittsburgh because when it's come to battles, battles of the trenches, Pittsburgh has won basically every single game this season yeah and I don't I don't hate on that prediction whatsoever but I, I do think it's going to be interesting and, and Graver I want to get you to touch on this too but I have a feeling you know Tennessee comes out with a game plan to throw the ball obviously I mean I know you know Alex how, how great Ryan Tannehill has been this year mm -hmm. but I, I, I hope I would like to think obviously you know Derrick Henry will always be the centerpiece of this offense but I think Tennessee is going to come out guns blazing with Tannehill a little bit I think they they recognize and respect how good that Pittsburgh run defense is and I think Tennessee comes out prepared trying to sling that thing around more than people think they might is aj brown playing this week do we know because he didn't practice most, today. most likely most oh, likely so I, from what yeah, i gather it was nothing more than maintenance we'll have to see when the injury report comes out later on friday what his participation level is but i would agree that i mean it's very strange he practiced fully on wednesday and then wasn't even limited on thursday that usually mm -hmm. is a bad sign but the fact that he wasn't limited means that he didn't like start practice and then re-injure himself, which you would right. typically see on a limited. So hopefully it was a planned maintenance day. They and, and took a ton of planned maintenance days on Wednesday. Both yeah. both teams did. Um, mm -hmm. And Vrabel's been a big maintenance guy throughout yeah. the whole year. We've had injury reports where Wednesday it's like, oh my God, the whole team is hurt. <laughs> so no one's playing. And then Thursday or Friday comes and every single person practices. So uh, for me now, I would assume it's maintenance, but like Graver said, for sure, we got to see on Friday. 
Where do you think uh, Mike Hilton and who's the other guy that's been out? Derek Watt, I think. Neither mm-hmm. guy practiced yet this week. I think they both left last week with injuries. Do you see them getting back out there on Sunday? Yeah, my guess is Watt's going to sit down. Hilton will have to see with tomorrow. My guess is Hilton will not be able to go, but they will get back Deontay Johnson, who's missed time with a back injury, as Justin said. He's missed a lot of time with nagging injuries, and they should get David DeCash back at right guard, which will be big deal with Jeffrey Simmons, who's been really good for you guys on the D-line. Right. My biggest concern from the Titans standpoint is actually not the run defense because I I don't know if they're going to come out throwing. I don't know if that's how Vrabel really likes to start a game. I mean, we'll see, I guess. But because they that whole establish the run thing isn't just about like establishing the run. It's about like establishing a trend of running on first down so that they can use the play action later. And they'll like trade a two yard gain early in the game for a 40 yard explosive later on. But my biggest concern from the Titans standpoint is the defense. The defense has been atrocious. They've allowed 30 points too many times yet this season. The fact that Tennessee is undefeated is unbelievable the way their defense has played. And they're allowing the most conversions of any team in the red zone. They're allowing the most conversions of any team on third down. Adore Jackson has not been activated yet. He's been cleared to practice in his return from IR, and he's practiced all week. But we won't know if he's playing until maybe Saturday if the, if he gets activated. So my biggest concern is slowing down. We already talked extensively about the receivers and Ben Roethlisberger. We haven't really touched at all on Pittsburgh's running game. James Conner, Benny Snell, and even the the other guy, McFarlane, McFarlane. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Anthony, Anthony McFarlane. McFarlane. Rookie. Rookie Anthony McFarlane out of Maryland, I believe, is uh, – yeah. Titans' run defense was okay against David Johnson, but, like, you know, Dalvin Cook ran for a career high – rushing total against them just a few weeks ago so this titans defense has not been good i could possibly even see a shootout here is even though pittsburgh's defense has been amazing if tennessee does throw the ball around the yard a little bit and mike hilton's not playing and they don't have that incredible blitzer out of the nickel position then i could see the this going up into the another 30 something 30 something shootout for tennessee yeah. Yeah, I have a feeling it's going to be high scoring. I, I know the Pittsburgh defense is, is so good, but I have a feeling this game's going to be high scoring on, on both sides. What about the Titans' pass rush? You guys have what seven sacks this year? Simmons only one with more than two. Is that going to be? Is that a mirage? Is there more pressure? What the sack numbers indicate, or is that a real concern for you guys? They've been okay in terms of pressure percentage, but they have not been converting pressures to sacks. I think Harold Landry is still the only outside linebacker, edge rusher, actual edge rusher with a sack. All the other sacks yeah. have come from interior or blitzing Christian Fulton or some, something, or Kenny Vaccaro or something like that. But with the way Ben Roethlisberger is getting the ball out, you know, mm-hmm. I don't foresee the Titans' pass rush being very impactful in this game. Maybe there'll be like one of those drives where you saw it against Cleveland with Pittsburgh. They like just have like one sloppy drive it feels like every game where like maybe Jeffrey Simmons will get a sack on first down and it throws everything off but overall no I don't think the Titans pass rush is worth is gonna do a whole lot against this offense <laughs> and, and it's crazy because Clown- I don't think you do- did Clowney enough justice there right? because Clowney he's, he's pressuring like crazy it's insane that Clowney hasn't recorded the sack yet and I kind of feel for him he's got to be a little frustrated because his pressure rate has been amazing and look I've always been a big believer in you know uh uh, disruption is production, so to speak. And he's been terrific in the pressure category, but he's not finishing them. That's a story with Clowney, I think, every yeah. year. It feels like this guy gets a million pressures in like five sacks, and I can't figure this guy out. Somebody yeah, wrote I mean, a report for, I think it was either SB Nation or Bleacher Report or one of those types of sites recently theorizing that Clowney just 
it's a skill. Converting pressures to sacks is a skill, and it's mm -hmm. something that Clowney doesn't have. And I don't know if I subscribe to that theory necessarily because I do think the coverage has a lot to do with like those conversions at the last second. You know, if the you force the quarterback to hold it for just another tenth, that can turn into a sack. So the Titans secondary has been horrible this year. So I don't. It's small sample size, hard to say. But it, the fact that it's a trend throughout his career is an interesting thing to note. Mm -hmm. Anything else you want to get to, Justin, before we get out of this podcast? No, I would say that does it, man, pretty much. Uh, Alex, I re really appreciate you. you. You made me even more excited for this game, man. I, <laughs> I was already excited for this game. It's actually my anniversary this Sunday, and oh. I want to watch this game so bad. Now, I know what I'm doing. I wasn't born yesterday. I am, I am blowing her socks off with surprises tomorrow and Saturday so we can get into the game on actual <laughs> anniversary day because this is uh, it's six years for me and her, and I told her, you know, Titans got to go 6-0 and on my six-year anniversary. <laughs> well, congrats. We're, we're excited about this one. Uh, th thanks for coming on, Alex. Really appreciate you, and this is going to be a hell of a game, man. Yeah, I'm really excited. Thank you guys so much for having me on, and hopefully we can see these teams in the playoffs and I can come on again. Yeah, totally. Yeah, we're, that, we're definitely going to. I think we definitely will see these teams in the playoffs. <laughs> All right. Hope you guys enjoyed that interview with Alex Kazora. Once again, you can follow him at Alex underscore Kazora, K O Z O R A. You can follow Justin at Justin M underscore NFL. I am at Titans Film Room. Be sure to follow the show at MCA Broadway. Be sure to follow Broadway Sports at Broadway TN. We are presented by 440 Sports. Our podcasting partner which we are thrilled to have on board with us here check out broadwaysportsmedia.com man because we are previewing this shit we are recapping this shit we are doing everything we can possibly do to give you guys the, all the content you could possibly need and that includes on sunday sunday morning 10 30 a.m we got a live stream with zach lyons and myself giving you last minute fantasy football advice answering questions talking dfs and gambling strategy any questions you have we're willing to take them on Sunday mornings. And then Sunday after the game, tune into Sunday Night Roundtable as a random group of contributors from Broadway Sports go live to recap the game. I may or may not be one of those. I was lucky enough to be included last week, but it's not up to me. So we'll see who's on this week on Sunday. All right, that'll do it. Any last words, JM, before we peace out of this bitch? <laughs> no, that'll do it. Uh, this is a great episode. Thanks to Alex for coming on. Again, I hope the listeners are appreciating, you know, all the great guests we've had on here to give us um, uh, an idea of what the Titans are up against. Uh, we've had some great people over the last couple weeks, and I can't thank those guys enough. Thank you, Alex, for, for that. That was a terrific preview uh, on the Steelers that Alex gave us. So uh, looking forward to this one on Sunday. I think it's going to be a heck of a game. Two 5-0 teams, two undefeated teams. Really excited about that. So uh, everyone enjoy it, and we'll be back next week to pre to talk about that one and, and preview the Bengals game got another great guest coming on for that one as well so alrighty that'll do it everyone stay tuned and tighten up a Broadway sports media production